Welcome to Churches Planting Churches, a podcast on the theology and practice of church planting. I'm your host, Tony Morita. Church planting pastors who minister in some of the world's hardest places will encounter many painful issues, whether it be addiction, violence, homelessness, broken families, poverty, or a number of other things. One especially painful aspect of ministry in such communities concerns the reality of abuse. Far too many children experience the horror of being abused by people in their lives that they should be able to trust. Abuse of any kind is a grievous sin that must be repented of and dealt with accordingly. And as churches are planted in places where abuse is prevalent, pastors need to know how to apply the gospel to people who have suffered from it. But how can we do that? Many of us may feel like we don't even know where to begin. To help us think about this, it's a privilege to have my friend Mez McConnell with me on the podcast. Mez is the senior pastor of Nidgeree Community Church in Edinburgh, Scotland. He's also the director of 20 Schemes, a church planting and revitalization initiative bringing the light of the gospel to Scotland's poorest communities. Mez is the co-director of Church in Hard Places here at Acts 29. He has authored multiple books, one of which we will discuss today. Mez is married to Miriam and he has two daughters. Mez, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks, baby. You did well then. No, no mistakes. Was that okay? That was a good job. <laughs> I like that. You have quite a bio, Mez. I mean, you probably have more lines of stuff you're doing than anybody we've had on the on the podcast. Do you just, you know, really do these jobs? Are these these things you're? you're yeah, I do. I don't know who wrote the bio. I didn't write the bio. I just usually put Mez pastor of something. And by the way, just to come off that for a minute. Uh-huh. Excellent pronunciation of Edinburgh. You think so? Because the Yanks usually say Edinburgh. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Right? It's not Edinburgh, it's yeah. Edinburgh. Well, I do have roots in, in the UK way back. Yeah. So I don't know. That has nothing American to do with it. I've met. Has roots. Has roots. Yeah, they all yeah. tell me they're Scottish. I'm 1% black. I'm 1% African. Okay. Yeah. So, so that's the, that. the complexion. Yeah. So, so. My, you, you've got to be 1% African, right? Because you, this is Jason born here. He's got like 15 passports and. You know, Mez always travels with an entourage, so with him is his buddy MSD. These are the gangsters in Acts 29. I mean, you, you want to you, you wanna just see the, the, the best guys in A29. I mean, you just look at these guys, and, and it's a blast. Matthew is a gangster. All my guys listening to this now are ripping themselves. <laughs> Loving it. He likes that. He's never been called a gangster before. Well, he's got the black hoodie on, you yeah, know, yeah. church in hard places. He's looking yeah. tough, yeah. you Trust know. Me, look at that. under that table at the first sign of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, now, tell us a little bit about uh, what you and Doug and uh, MSD are doing with church in hard places. Yeah, so we, um, we started 20 Schemes maybe six years ago now. And 20 Schemes is basically we want to plant churches or revitalize churches in Scotland's poorest communities, sort of 45% of Scotland lives on what we call social housing, below the poverty line. And very, very, well, zero percentage of evangelical uh, church money was going into planting or developing churches in those communities. So we set that up and then very quickly, it just, it just launched, didn't it? I mean, my blog took off, I was just doing a little blog about ministry and mental health abuse the things that we suffer and then all of a sudden we were getting calls from all over the world say can you come and do 20 schemes here and you know australia china (laughs) china right and uh you know south america south africa and we said listen we can't do that 
I'm about 20 schemes is about Scotland and so we just felt I felt a bit of pastoral concern for a lot of young guys from poor communities around the world who were ringing me and they're going look we, we have no training we have nothing and that's when I approached Acts 29 and said look you know these conferences you hold in these hotels I was just telling him it would take uh, it would take the average weight the, the average wage earner in uh, our most deprived communities it would take them 300 and uh, 365 days to earn what it would cost to spend one night in this hotel hmm. and so there's just this massive gap mm-hmm. between guys coming at, working in that context and bringing them into the sort of mm. 829 family of churches. How do we bridge the gap? How do we bridge the divide? How do we resource them, train them, assess them? Mm. And so, yeah, we launched um, 829 about 18 months ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's been phenomenal in terms of growth. It's mm. just been rapid. I don't know all the figures. Um, I, know, I know we have circumnavigated the globe three times. I had my PA in 18 months. Wow. We've done three and a half thousand people have been done through our training. Um, we have 40 cities. Yeah, 40 cities. I think we have currently 40 trainees from I don't know how many countries, mm. all six continents. I mean, it's ma- the need. The, the need is huge, right? Mm. And so this church in our places is just the beginning in terms of what we're trying to do. Um, if A29 truly wants to be global and diverse it's going to have to embrace a huge sway of the world's population yeah. which is seriously yeah in poverty and we're going to have to work out what all this stuff lo- looks like conferences mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Yeah. speakers and yeah. stuff like that so. well i'm personally thankful for you guys i'm part of the emerging regions uh team at x29 so i'm working uh in east africa with yeah. that team and msd has been super helpful uh how you guys have broken up the assessment into these monthly modules yeah 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 uh, that's been really helpful into yeah. a, a a two-year kind of runway um yeah. so guys can get there yeah so we're not competing with local sort of network leaders what we're saying to network leaders is let us pinpoint some guys in poor communities in your regions and get them assessment ready so when you get them mm-hmm. we've done all the Exactly. 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 Excellent. Um, so let's talk about your book. All right. Yeah. We, you got a book coming out. Really exciting. It's going to be unique. Uh, tell yeah. us about, um, you know, anything you want to tell us about. What What is it about? Um, okay. Somebody written the forward uh, endorsements. Uh, why should we read it? Uh, can we get a discount? Talk to us. Yeah. So it's called uh, The Creaking on the Stairs. Uh, finding faith it's like creaking the creaking on mm-hmm. the stairs mm-hmm. finding faith and forgiveness through childhood abuse i personally hate the title uh i called it ding dong the wicked witch is dead but they wouldn't let me keep that title and why is that it, is it copyright yeah. even though it's ding dong the wicked no ding dong the witch is dead that's actually the title the second line is ding dong the wicked witch is like dead leg dead dead leg Mm-hmm. Anyway, good marketing reasons that. as usual, I've gone with the, the the title, so it's called the creaking on the stairs. Do you uh, find that people like to temper you, Mez? Do they they do they feel you're a little bit too shocking at times? Uh, probably Matthew might suggest that that's true. I don't tend to be shocking. 
Um, I thought Ding Dong the Wicked Witch is Dead was a cool name yeah. for the book. Yeah. Obviously, lots of people got very freaked out by it for some reason. Yeah. So, what is the book about? The creaking in the floor. So, the creaking on the stairs. Creaking on the stairs. See, look at that, but See? I bet you we'd remember Ding Dong the Wicked Witch. <laughs> this is exactly my point right there. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, so the, the, basically the book is it, about, um, how long is my, my testimony book? It's got to be 10 years or so ago, probably more. I wrote a book based on my life uh, called Is There Anybody Out There? Available in all good bookshops. And um, it was basically a testimony of how I came to faith, you know. I was on the streets at two, grew up in care, in trouble with the police. A young age, 12 years old, dealing drugs, hustling, uh, in, you know, bank robbery, in maximum security jail by the time I was 21, got converted out of, just out of prison, reading a Matthew Henry commentary on the Bible, right? Remember we did the interview. I love that story. I've so shared that, that story many times. Yeah, that's my, that's my first book. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, I mean, it's been a long time I've thought about writing a follow-up. I've had lots of people say, when you do a follow-up, you do a follow-up. And I've always thought about doing one about childhood abuse, um, but it just, oh, just never felt the time was right for it, right? I wasn't feeling it. Um, I think I signed the contract for this like four years ago, right? Yeah, yeah I wrote a blog. So what happened was, yeah, I'll tell you what happened. One night I was, um, somebody contacted me th through social media and said, your stepmother's died. And, I mean, I hadn't thought about this woman for a long time, 30 years, right? So my dad was with this woman um, for about 10 years between the ages of like 10 and 13, 14. And um, I would be, me and my sister, we would stay with them for a time, but then we would be taken off them and we'd be put into care or put into a foster home or an orphanage and we'd come back and we'd stay with them. I mean, just it was chaos, right? And she was supremely abusive individual. Um, I'd not thought about these things for a long time and then I just, somebody said, look, she's dead. I think it was a, a family member. And I clicked on this thing and it said, you know, she died. And Man, I was feeling emotional about it. And so I wrote a blog, Just I just sat and wrote it overnight. And I just sort of, because, you know, I just like to process, I, I write a lot. And um, I think I posted this blog in the early hours, right? And I think, um, it basically crashed our website. I woke up like 9, 9 a.m. I think we had, I'd had 200,000 views in like two hours or something. I mean, it stopped at just over a million in 72 hours. I mean, it just wow. went mental, right? Emails everywhere. Um, peop all sorts of agencies picking it up all over the world, <laughs> um, saying, can we publish it, blah, blah, blah. Anyway. And then somebody, uh, uh, quite a few publishers said to me, <laughs> you, why don't you write a book about it? I'm like, well, I'm not feeling it. Had a lot going on. And, uh, and then I think I did sort of sign a pre-book deal, didn't I? About four years ago. And I just wasn't feeling it. It's not a book like you can, it's not like a systematic theology. You can just sit down and you know, crack, a, crack a book out. And anyway, um, something came up. I'm supposed to go to Australia, right? Yeah. Supposed to go to Australia to do Acts 29 Australia last year, yeah, last, um, February. last February, and um, my visa didn't come in time because obviously I've got restrictions because of my convictions. And so right at the last minute, like the day, everything got cancelled. And I had these like 10 days spare that I did, that I, I 
set apart to be away. And so my wife said to me, um, why don't you go away, you know, book an Airbnb somewhere and um, write the book. And I'm like, I'm just not feeling it. So, but, so I went away, yeah, and I wrote, I actually wrote the book in about three days, about 80,000 words I wrote. Wow. I mean, I just cranked it out. And then I spent the, like the next week editing it down to, it's about 50,000 words, editing it down to, to, to what it was. So I, I cranked it out. Um, it's quite emotional. Um, it brought up a lot of memories that I thought had gone decades. You know, I hadn't thought of things for decades and decades. And so it took me at least a month, I think, just to get over the sort of emotional trauma of just remembering what, what was the blog about what was it that was so the blog was called ding dong the wicked witch is dead mm -hmm. which is a great title for a book uh, and um i'll tell you what i riffed off i read an online obituary of a woman who died in america and her family wrote her obituary and basically said um our mother of 82 years has died blah 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 uh the earth is rid of an absolute stain on humanity who is nothing but cruel and evil and horrible to us, etc., etc. We hope she rots in hell. Wow. And I'm like, yeah, that's basically how I feel right now. And so I just wrote this book about this. Uh, the blog was about my conflicting emotions. I'm a pastor. I pitch about repentance and forgiveness and reconciliation. But yet at the same time, I'm thinking, Here's this woman, she's dead, I hope she's in hell. And I'm like, what if she's not in hell? Should I be thinking she's not? Is it allowed for me to think that she should be in hell? And so I, the blog was sort of a confliction of how do I arrive at a theology consistent with the Bible of somebody who spent most of my early life just systematically torturing and humiliating me. Mm. And, and this was not just verbal? Oh no, this was physical, this was sexual. This was, yeah, this was neglect. This was like, I mean, yeah, the book goes into some, not graphic detail on some of it, but uh, yeah, it was, it was vicious stuff. Starvation, you know, yeah, it was, it was brutal stuff. Mm. Mm. So we're, we're thinking on this podcast about church planting, about pastoring. Um, you think the book will be helpful for pastors in learning to Listen, identify with uh, abuse victims? Yeah, it is massive. Every single pastor I know, everybody who's seen me on social media, everyone without fail said they can't wait for the book to come out. Mm. I mean, it's one of the big apologetic questions we get. About 90% of my congregation have been sexually abused. Mm -hmm. Largely, by the way, by family members. Right. I think there's a lie out there that says you know stranger danger and you know all this stuff but um, yeah but anyway that's another debate yeah and so what i wanted to do i wanted to write a book where the guy would come into my office sit down and go you know what where was god then if god's real and you say he loves me he wants a relationship with me why didn't he help me out then when i was getting raped by my uncles or mm -hmm. whatever was going on by family members you explain that to me mm -hmm. and most middle-class Christians just get, get stumped by this, right? Oh, well, you know, he meant it for evil, but, you know, God meant it for good and all this chat, which is not really um, that helpful to people going through serious trauma. And, um, and so I thought, you know what, I'm going to write a book that's part testimony, but part apologetic for, the, you know, 
and then but also at the end there's a twist where um, I interview a convicted paedophile who who systematically raped and abused a four-year-old and a seven-year-old boy um, and I think he got 50 years for it he was converted 11 years into his sentence and just how he as a child abuser has worked out forgiveness yeah. and peace and reconciliation but how I coped emotionally just interviewing him because you know my instinct was you know, cut your throat but and that's t I'm 20 years a pastor right and so it's a very raw emotional book and answer asked questions like you know I mean it gets deep um, penal substitutionary atonement I mean there are stories in the Bible that sound abusive mm. Abram and Isaac mm -hmm. I mean that sounds Mm -hmm. hugely abusive the Lord going to the cross mm -hmm. the father sending his innocent son to face mm -hmm. punishment for guilty people I mean cosmic child abuse right so just I, I just look at some of those things and then just tease it out so I it, I don't know you've you've read it I, I find it hard to describe it's not a particularly normal book mm -hmm. you're not a really normal person though Mez I think yeah I it's think hard it's, to describe it's what it's like but it's like <laughs> Uh, you've read it, and yeah. I know you suffered abuse yourself, and and and, and, and so it's emotional to you. Uh, so you're interacting with the story. Yeah. Interacting with your own testimony, yeah. right? But it's not about and, my testimony. Right. It's, it's about, about the subject. So one chapter is humiliation, right? So I, I recount a situation where I was, you know, forced to stand naked in front of a load of strangers, etc., and being humiliated. But then the next chapter is, but Christ's humiliation. So, yeah. Can God? Where was God in my moment of humiliation? I tell you where He was. He was hanging on a tree, facing His own cosmic mm. humiliation. And so it's about, it's a book about child abuse that's actually about Christ. Yeah. That the hope of the gospel. To, yeah. And so it's dark, but actually it's, it's light at the same time. Would you say? Yeah. But it's not linear. It's that's the hope. thing. Yeah. yeah. It's a dark story, but offers hope. Offers yeah. hope, yeah. But I'm not messing around. I'm not messing around with the cheesy Christian answers. Do you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. You know, Genesis, you know, uh -huh. Joseph's chat about that, that. I'm not saying that's not true, but people need to time to process. People need time to say, you know, it's all right to be angry mm -hmm. when you first come to Christ with the Lord and wonder, what, why did this happen to me? What's going on? How can I work this out? Mm. Um, yeah, so... Yeah, it, it, it's going to be a wild book, I think. Mm. Mm. I can't wait to read it. Now, you said uh, earlier to me that uh, Rosario Butterfield wrote the foreword, is that right? Yeah, Rosario wrote the foreword for me. Did she say some nice things? Yeah, see, she, yeah, she hated and loved the book. This is what I like about people who have blurbed it. Most people have said they hated it, mm. and yet they loved it. Mm. And so, I mean, one guy said it's the most single, I think it's the most disturbing thing he's ever read, mm. but also the most hopeful thing he's ever read. Oh, that's good, man. And so... Um, and I'm not going out to shock. This is not a shock jock book. This is like, these are real stories mm -hmm. that are real to me, but I know are real to so many tens of thousands, mm -hmm. probably more of people yeah. um, out there who suffer in silence. They're too embarrassed. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's very difficult. Mm -hmm. How can churches care for people who have been abused? Do you, I don't know if you deal with that in this kind of book, but just you can maybe not in the book. Yeah, How do you I, answer that? I think there's a, there's a section in the book where I do a Q&A with three pastors, me, Matthew, and another pastor. 
and it's basically the top questions, the most popular questions, popular is the wrong word, but you know, the, the most frequent questions we get asked on, on, on this issue, and, and I think that's one of them. Um, yeah, I mean, what do you think? How can they best care? It's a difficult. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's discipleship is presenting the church as a place not to be seen as a place of danger, but a place of refuge yeah. for somebody who has suffered from abuse. Yeah, yeah, I think... Um, the big problem is how do, you, how do you disciple them in a church if you've got a convicted child abuser who's converted present? Mm -hmm. that, that, that's one of the questions we talk about. Yeah. And we have different answers to that, right? Yeah. And that's probably another podcast to, to think through <laughs> yeah, all the complexities. Yeah, yeah. And it is a big issue. And it's um, it's something we care about in Acts 29, you know, uh, protecting the vulnerable, yeah. taking appropriate action on uh, uh, perpetrators. And, um, you know. But does God save perpetrators? Does he save pedophiles? Does he save course, rapists? Yeah. Does he save murderers? See, I hate that about the gospel. Mm hmm. And yet, I'm a rat just like them, right? Which is what the book comes out, basically. I mean, how different am I? And so, it's just a, you know, it's a book that took me 20 years to write. I didn't write it in five minutes. Right. Um, and so, it's a lot of reflection and yeah. uh, it doesn't tie everything up in a neat bow. It's not like... Well, in your experience of being, being abused, I know you, um, how, did you think about people in the church being people who had it all together? Um, I, where I'm going with this is, um, I think one of the challenges and one of the needs is to make our church churches safe, safe places mm -hmm. for the abused to be able to mm -hmm. come come forward and, and yeah. come talk and, and feel loved. But because they feel often, I think, alone, uh, uh, different when the reality yeah. is, as you already mentioned, tons of people yeah, yeah, who yeah. face various kinds of abuse through life. And our churches have just yeah. got to be those redemptive hospitals, right? Listen, when I first came across, obviously I had no experience of church before you know my early mid 20s and and so when i first went to church how it's portrayed particularly in the uk evangelicalism it's a very white very middle class educated people they, uh, the, the portrayal is they've all got it together they dress nice they talk nice and so a guy like me walks in and thinks mm -hmm. i shouldn't Can't be, identify i shouldn't be here do you know what i mean i mean i'm like these guys are like, they never do anything wrong. There's never a hair out of place. They, they look, do you know what I mean? They, they, they look and sound perfect. And uh, it took me, and then it took me a few years when I became a pastor to think these people are some of the most disturbed, <laughs> sick people in the world. Do you know what I mean? Yes, yes, but they I do. just learned this sort of facade of Christianity, which guys from my background quickly, quickly sniff out, by the way. Um, and, um, and so, yeah, so very important at least in how we plan and, and do our churches that there's a we have a very um expansive discipleship process i mean we live it live with each other day in day out hour by hour um and uh you know no topics are out of bounds for discussions mm -hmm. and prayers mm -hmm. um and also you know sometimes people come to faith in jesus but they don't forgive people who've hurt them for a long time and we've got to give people space mm. to grow um, you know justification happens instantaneously upon conversion but the rest for some people is a long slog until yeah. we get to glory right and sometimes I think there's a pressure mm -hmm. when you come to a church where it's everybody's like yummy mummies and 
do you know what I mean? And it, everybody's got it together. That these guys have got it instantly now. Well, mm -hmm. you now got to be think like this and act like this and live like this. And often they just can't cope. Mm -hmm. So. I can't wait to read it. Any other thoughts uh, we need to hit on the book? Uh, how people can get it, you say, at the, the basic bookshops. Oh, yeah. uh, we got so we, discounts. Yeah. We, we, got? We, we wanted people to buy it through 10 of those. So 10 of those.com is in uh, the US, the, uh, the UK, the USA, 10 of those uh, USA as well, right? Um, Basically, we're using 10 of those. One, because they're a Christian book distributor, both in the States and in the UK and Europe. But secondly, because every book sold, they they give 10% to the Ministry of 20 Schemes. So not yes. only is it, you know, you're buying a book that's we, we hope is going to be helpful in helping you minister to, well, minister to your own soul if you've been abused, or help you minister to those who've been abused, but also that you're helping a ministry that is reaching into some of the, like, roughest places in in scotland so love it buy it buy it through those brothers and mm. uh, that will be helpful to us mm. love it man cool you're an inspiring example and uh you're teaching your labor all the stuff you guys do in hard places i oh, appreciate yeah. this interview yeah